welcome to Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Welcome to part two of our <laughs> women's extravagant, women extravaganza, fem- eleganza, female, hold on, <laughs> let's try that again. You didn't think that through too well. No. Mm-mm. We didn't really say last one was part one either. We're just kind of jumping in and saying this is part two. Well, I just, I went for it. I just decided to go for it. We also just recorded the last one like 10 minutes ago. Don't, don't let them behind the curtain and see the magic. I'm letting them into our podcast world. Welcome. That is not something that you should have access to. We, we talked about in our last episode about real women in the real world that inspired us personally. And now we want to talk about fictional women the fictional worlds i didn't say worlds because there's just so many there are so many you can't put them all in the same world not That's all true. of fiction exists in one world that would be a wild world though wild huh wild <laughs> but uh the only verse is a multiverse <laughs> often i've i felt like especially as women we had we had to turn to fictional characters to be inspired <laughs> Because we weren't being told about all of the real ones. Mm-hmm. This is true. We had to figure that out for ourselves. That there are amazing women doing great things. They just don't tell you about them in school. Mm. Um, but uh, but yeah, but the but in place of that, we had books and movies and cartoons. Taylor's going to talk a lot about cartoons. I bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> a fair assumption. <laughs> I mean, comic books too. They, that's a, not a cartoon ish. <laughs> yeah, well, you're going to talk about books a lot, so whatever. <laughs> Probably. No, it, it's been really, it's really interesting to think about this idea of, of being inspired by fictional characters. It, having uh, children and having Charlie now, especially who's four and can like talk to me about stuff. Cooper's great, but she can only say a few words so far. So I don't know. Yeah. She she may have these thoughts in her they baby aren't really brain. Words either. She says, "Mama." There's kind of and noises. Dada. Uh, and y- cookie. You know what else she says? <laughs> what? Tay Tay. Mm-hmm. She does, and she says, and she can't say Charlie, and she can't say Lily, which is what we went for. She <laughs> says, "Yee yee yee." Every time she sees her, she's just trying to yeet. Uh huh. And then cookie. That's the first other word she's like. Oh, and boob. Well, well, that's yeah. a family trait. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't yeah. know what to call me yet. No. Which is sad. No. I, and she just kind of looks at me, and Charlie calls me baby sis. So we're like, call me baby sis. And she's like, but. She'll hmm. touch herself. Like, I'm, I'm the baby. I'm the baby. You're not the <laughs> what baby. What is your problem? You're much bigger than me. <laughs> uh, but Charlie, at least, has verbalized to me several times. Uh, like a view she has of a fictional character and it has occurred to me that she thinks they're real mm-hmm. like that somewhere in the world these fictional characters do indeed exist you know when um, do you find like cartoon out that characters they don't. too i don't know and i don't know if i'm supposed to tell her i don't want to don't. um I, hopefully not 34 <laughs> i don't want to know i that. do a lot of the she'll say like mom is supergirl real and i'll be like what do you think <laughs> I I default to that, and then yeah. if she says, "Well, I think she probably is," I go, "I think that sounds like good. a good idea <laughs> <laughs> that she is real." Uh, I do a lot of that, but it's it's occurred to me that she th- she the line between reality and fiction is still kind of fuzzy, and so it's not surprising that fictional characters could be really inspiring to you as a young person because it hasn't really occurred to you that they're fictional yet. <laughs> That's true. Well, and if they inspire you to be a better you, then what's the harm? What's the harm? That's true. Why does it matter? That's a very good point. Um, but I've become very cognizant of the the role they play in a young person's life because I'm constantly obsessing about whether or not they are a good or bad influence on Charlie, depending on what we're watching. So mm-hmm. I'm so ready for this. <laughs> I have strong opinions about everything. Mm-hmm. And I know we're going to talk about females, uh, but I just, anytime we start talking about cartoon characters, I just have to say, stay out of my yard, Caillou. <laughs> You're a bad influence with your whiny little voice. Oh, on kids. yeah. No, Caillou. No. 
but we're talking about women, so we'll leave Caillou out of this. I won't hate on Caillou this episode. Another. One day. (laughs) The the Caillou Hate Podcast is coming. If you guys are curious about what our bonus material is. I would be shocked if there isn't one. Parents hate Caillou so much. It would be, it, I cannot imagine that there isn't a, a podcast There's devoted a whole to hating Caillou. Group, Parents Against Caillou. Mm-hmm. Everybody, yeah. Uh, I, I would like to say, uh, and I know you're going to agree with me, Taylor, on a fictional character that I found very inspiring as a young woman, and that was Gadget yes. from Rescue Rangers. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I felt like it was kind of a, at the same time that I was pretty obsessed with Gadget, I was obsessed with, with Babs Bunny. And if you look at both of them, it's like, like they weren't, tragi- I mean, obviously one was a mouse and one was a bunny. They weren't traditional female <laughs> role models. <laughs> but outside of that, uh, you know, also like Gadget was, Gadget was a super not interested in romance. Like. Dale no. and Chip were coming at her nonstop, and she was just like oblivious. It wasn't even like she was like, no, she was just like not even on the radar, not even no. on the radar. She was smart. She was quirky. She was in her own head. She was an inventor. Like there was so little of her character that had anything to do with being like the love interest, despite the fact that she was, and that's why she was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, like alongside of that, like. Babs Bunny was was very much like you know the 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 love interest to Buster Bunny, but also like she was funny. She was about being an actress, being a comedian. Like she was the funnier of the two, and that was understood. Like she was the one that did the impressions. She was the one that had the shticks. Like she she also it was funny. We were watching old episodes of that with uh, Charlie to show it to her, and there was one where she uh, starts doing impressions of everybody and alienates them. <laughs> yeah, and, I remember that. Yeah, and it was funny because uh, the whole thing was that she just, she had to be the funny one. She just needed everybody, like, sh- anything for a joke. Mm-hmm. And even if that meant, like, driving her friends away, that storyline, but a female at the center, you don't see that a lot. No. Those, those are not true. traits normally given to a female character. Um, that's very much a, a male trope. It was I, I was watching it thinking, like, this is ahead of its time. <laughs> And I was like I, I, as a kid, like I didn't understand why I loved those two characters so much, and I did <laughs> so much. Mm-hmm. But like, I think it's because it's once again like they were not. It's not that they were like, oh, so out there, crazy characters. It's just that they just didn't fall into the archetype that I think we all were bored of at that. Or like, you know, anyone that had like any awareness, like, hey, I'm not your average this like oh look these are different ways of being you can be smart you can be funny you can you know you can be outlandish you can be not interested in romance like these Mm -hmm. are all fine i I needed that mouse and that that bunny to tell me that (laughs) it's and it's good to see that too i i was thinking about like stuff i enjoyed as a kid and like with with women as you know the primary characters and like the babysitters club is a great example um, and certainly, I will say they did represent a diverse group of young women in the sense that, like, they all had different interests and, and you know, like, skill sets and their things. But there was still a lot that revolved around, like, the idea that as a woman you're one-dimensional and this is your one thing. You're yeah. the sport one. You're the book one. You're the fashion one. Um not to say that they're bad books. I love those books. Right. I, I would probably read them and still enjoy them now, in all honesty. But <laughs> I'm a Marianne. But I, uh, I, I do feel like that the, there was a lot of stuff like that that like gave you this idea that you could find which of these things. Like maybe there are more than you used to be able to be. Maybe like back in the 50s, the Babysitter's Club was like, I don't know. Do you want to be? The one that washes dishes or mm-hmm. the one that vacuums. <laughs> like mm. but but it still it still was a very like one dimensional kind of a girl can be any of these set things and that's it and only one choose wisely. <laughs> well, and that that you know, that's kind of a I think a a bit of a read on third wave 
wave feminism because it's you get like that spice girl like a lot allotment like i'm the baby i'm the sporty one like we're all <laughs> we're all like very traditionally feminine we're all wearing full face makeup we're all wearing like small clothes like we're still following with falling within the lines of what we're allowed we're just differentiating ourselves with these tiny things all of which one person could possess one person could be both uh ginger and sporty i don't know <laughs> And I mean, you would see, like, I would say that Nancy Drew steps out of that a little bit. Like, Nancy Drew was a great role model because, um, yes, she was very traditionally feminine. And they go, like, in every book, you get a description of how lovely she is. <laughs> There's, like, a short description of her hair and her clothes and what her skin looks like. And, like, but also, like, her friends. Like, you get a short, like, description of all of them mm -hmm. and their clothes and stuff in every every single book. And she had a boyfriend and she drove a cool car, but then also like she was very brave and very good at solving crimes, and also very like daring. Like she would like have to pretend she was someone she wasn't to sneak into places. Mm -hmm. That's like a superpower, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, like the ability to like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I act like I belong here, even though I don't. Nope, I never feel like I belong anywhere. How do people yeah. do that? It's amazing. Um, so I think I think like that broke and especially considering a book that a book series that spanned so many decades. Yeah. Like I think she was a good role model for me. Just thinking about other women <laughs> in our era. Well, I mean it, it goes without saying that the biggest one uh for me as far as like like our our era and then Riley I know you have ones from yours but mm -hmm. obviously Sailor Moon um and and i didn't i didn't bring her up in the last episode we were talking about real world role models but naoko takeuchi also by proxy the creator of sailor moon was the first female comic book creator artist writer that i ever was aware of that i even knew that was possible i mean that it's a woman who both writes this draws this creates this entirely like that was a monumental idea to me as a child and then also that the thing that she created, I think there's a reason that it resonated with so many people because it literally was the only content that we were getting from a female's perspective in the realm of superheroes in that time period, like on mm -hmm. like a, you know, like a wide scale in America. Um, and I mean, kind of the same deal, like it had a character that was sort of like the cliche, like I'm the smart one, I'm the tough one, but it then went beyond that with each character getting further development being like yeah like you know like mercury's a smart one but she's also kind of a creeper and like weird and competitive and then also super lovesick like you know the show went <laughs> on like you got different angles to the character like you know like makoto was like the the like the tough one but then she also loved to bake and she also had a crush on every boy like it was just you know <laughs> like everybody had layers and and it and they all had the same insecurities, you know, like that overlapped, that were very sure. female concerns. And I think that was, and, and it all came down to, at the end of the day, no matter what, it's about love, it's about friendship, it's about respecting people, which is, I think, at the core of like the mantra of Sailor Moon. And that's something that as a, as a young nerd, like imprinted itself on my DNA, like Friends are supposed to respect and love and be there for each other. Sailor Moon said mm -hmm. so. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I were to say, you all can burst my bubble on this. Mm -hmm. If I were to say that Betty Cooper was an important role model to me as a young woman, <laughs> and I am speaking of the Betty Cooper of the of Archie, the Archie comic comics, books, of course, would that would that probably not hold true for young women today who are watching Riverdale? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that she's a I, I haven't watched Riverdale since the first season I could be very wrong I don't think she's a bad char female character for young girls to watch they're all does she have as much like you know good things as many good things about her as I feel like the comic book Betty Cooper does because no. comic book Betty Cooper did everything she did well. she was smart she was very smart. She made perfect grades. Plus, she cars. played all the sports. Plus, she could fix cars. Plus, she was a cheerleader. Plus, she was a great dancer. Plus, she was... What else could she do? Oh, she made her own clothes. Uh, also, she wrote a gothic romance novel. Uh, she was a reporter for the school paper um, and volunteered everything. Every volunteer. Pets, old people, 
uh, tutoring little kids, volunteered in all the things. Oh, and she could bake. One day I'm just going <laughs> to tell Sydney I'm coming to record and just let her talk about RT Comics. And I'm not going to show up. I'm just going <laughs> to let her talk. And it'll be 12 hours. I'm going to split up into like a, a 24 episode <laughs> anthology. Betty Cooper could do everything. And she often made yeah. me feel anxious because I would think like, oh, I'm not doing as much as Betty. <laughs> You know, but I think that that's okay. I, I will say, for, for in Betty's defense, I will say this: her evolution is good in the sense that when you look at like, and I mean like early, early, early origins of Archie comics, which said, I know you know these. Betty was not a cool character. Betty no. was the female foil to Veronica, who was desperate and annoyed Archie and chased him, and was just kind of there to be the obnoxious one that loved Archie, yes. and Veronica was the cool one that he couldn't get. So I do appreciate that at some point they were like, you know, they gave her character. But I think one of the things that I'm going to I'm going to counter Usagi against Betty Cooper here said it's the it's the it's a battle that's about to happen. The thing that I loved Usagi because she was powerful and she was dedicated. But I also loved her because she got like she failed math tests sometimes and was late to school and worried about her weight and freaked out about things that didn't matter. Betty Cooper never did that. That's why I I love Betty too, oh. but I could relate to Sailor Moon. But couldn't you consider Archie her fatal flaw? Her her affection for Archie was her was often her undoing. Like if she ever got in trouble, it was because of Archie. If she ever didn't succeed in something, it was because I mean I don't mean Archie did something. It was like her choosing Archie. Well, she um, her she had this great friendship with Veronica, and the only thing that ever got between them was Archie. I think she also suffered from that "you don't know you're beautiful" cliche of like <laughs> well, yes. if, if yeah. Betty ever yeah. owned how much stuff she was capable of and everything that she did, she would have said, "I don't care about Archie Andrews. I'm going to have a seat in Congress," and that would have been her goal, like or the presidency, <laughs> like. Well, and that's true. And I think if you look at things where, like, if you just put, this is so typical of, of a lot of stuff about women. If you put the two female leads together into one woman, it would be a powerhouse character that was complex and, and like, interesting and good, but also sometimes bad, mm -hmm. like all humans are. Right. Like, if you put them together, you have a full character but when you separate them, you get two sides of a coin and they become flat. And that's often the critique you could level at female characters right. yeah. is that that's the way we're written. We don't get to be everything the way male characters do. Well, so maybe then the Betty Cooper of Riverdale, who has a lot of like anxiety related to how much she needs to perform, who has like a dark side that she delves into sometimes, is the better role model. Whoa. I will not accept Riverdale is <laughs> better than Archie Comics on any level. Just Ever. say it, though. Ever. Uh, on any level, under any circumstance. Whoa. Um, before we finish talking about our era and move on to the now, we have to mention Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy Summers. So I, this is my the thought that I, since we proposed this episode, and Sid, maybe you're, you're here with me. Joss Whedon has had a interesting relationship with feminist ideals in the last couple years you know he's not yeah. been he's far from awesome I feel like he's he's definitely fallen from the grace he was bestowed in our generation and rightly uh -huh. so um and in my time I remember really feeling like Buffany was re revolutionary it had a female lead she was powerful like you know it had it had characters that you didn't see in other shows like but now looking at it, I don't think it aged very well at all. I mean, there are uh, there are lots of aspects of the series that I think that's absolutely true about plot lines that are that are very disturbing. Um, yes, and not not in line with what we consider like our values today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't mean that in any kind of traditional conservative sense. I mean, just like good, good stuff, right? Um, it was, but I yeah. still, I still did look up to Buffy as a character when I was younger, like as a, as a strong woman who even didn't necessarily want the responsibility and everything that was thrust on her. 
but was forced to rise to the occasion and so did. Plus, there's a lot of good stuff about teamwork in there. There is. About recognizing that you cannot do everything alone and the importance of letting people in. Yes, I just, I I do think, like, it's still, like, when you, like, I don't know, under the microscope, it's like, okay, for one, I, I remember loving him as a teenager, but Xander's trash. Sorry. He's... He is well, kind of homophobic. Yeah. They're all kind of homophobic, actually. Like, a lot. Like, the whole hush-hush, we don't talk about Willow's relationship thing. I'm just like, oh, heck to that. That's not cool. San- yeah. Xander is trash. And I like, I don't know, like, the first time Buffy has sex, she is literally punished with a hellish demon. It's like, oh, that's a thing that we we don't need to culturally reinforce like there's a lot of bad ideas that are consistently reinforced in it like i don't i don't know like i i want to love it as much as i did then and i still think it was important for me as a kid like it still did good things for its time but it did it was not ahead of its time it was good for its time yes no i think that's very true i think that's very true it was in no way ahead of its time um with those sorts of of messaging and and that kind of thing i agree with you completely um, those are very uh, early 2000s attitudes about everything. Yeah. Um, and it's been hard. Uh, it's like a lot of things that have been marred by learning more about certain cast members as time has gone on. Things that you can't ever unknow. Yeah. Like James Marster's song about Michelle Trachtenberg's feet. Mm. Now that I know that, I can't unknow that he wrote that song. But there, and I can't unknow that she was 16 when he wrote that song about her feet. So now that's just in my head forever. I, and I mean, that just doubles down on like, you know, like I Spike was my favorite character. But it's like there's a whole plot point where it's like, yeah, he doesn't have a soul. So he tries to rape Buffy. But uh, he doesn't have a soul. It's fine. It's like it was still a plot point that you felt the need to put in there. Well, like, and that's, a, I mean, that that's a whole other issue, right? Using rape as a plot point, which, using it as a motivation. Yeah. I mean, like, we have a long history of that, of that being done instead of, you know. Well, and you also have a lot of fridging instances, like, like Miss Calendar gets fridged for character motivation. Like, I, you know, like you, it's, it still follows as progressive as it seemed. It had progressive trappings. It still fell into a lot of the same reinforcements about like, you get punished for having sex. You get punished for partying, drinking beer. Beer is bad. That whole episode. Like, it still reinforces the same tropes. And I get that there was a tongue-in-cheek aspect to it that's like, ha, 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 we're reinforcing the trope. But they, it, it rarely rose above that. It just played with them, which... Now, now, beer is bad is from the fourth season, right? Yes. Yeah, we don't speak of that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you got to watch it all. I know. And you know what? <laughs> but I would say this now. Now, looking back... I mean, like, like Riley, good guy Riley. Like, he hated that he oh, had a. I thought we were talking you. about No, me. <laughs> like his Sorry. whole arc was that he couldn't handle a female being stronger than him, and that was a sympathetic character. That's fair. He was given screen time with that as his arc. <laughs> I'm still gonna sing along with the musical episode, no matter what you say. Same, yeah. no hard same. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important. I mean, it's like, well, you know, like kind of not along the around the same time, like when we talk about things that inspire like female figures, fictional f- figures that inspired me as a kid, Xena. I love Xena. I still have a hard time deciding if it was trash or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of those things you just like, as you look back, you start to suspect like, uh, maybe not. Maybe not that. Yeah. And I think it's because what we're what we're I think what we're ultimately talking about, and I think when we get into stuff that's more from the now, we're gonna face it more directly, is we're talking about things that were made by men, which doesn't automatically condemn them as not good at, at all. Uh, but were they made for the male gaze or were they made for all audiences? Were they made to sure. were they were the women characters written to appeal to men specifically? Or were they made to appeal to women? What what were they made for? And I think that's the question that I now ask myself looking back on these things. I do not think Gadget the Mouse or Babs Bunny were written for the male gaze. <laughs> no. I would I would agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> I 
<laughs> I think that there are aspects of characters like Xena and Buffy that were written for to be palatable to the male gaze. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, if we're going to go way back, like you, you, you can talk about an amazing character like Princess Leia who is powerful and strong and complicated and then as the series as the various episodes go on evolves over time into many different things will also always have worn that gold bikini mm -hmm. you know so yes i think that is a problem in a lot of media from the past um but let's move to the future right yeah. after we visit the great message Hello, and welcome to the group message. This week, I'm doing the ad solo, because one of our sisters is out at sea, and uh, the responsibility is left to me. <laughs> and uh, this week, I'm going to tell you about some sponsors we have, uh, the first of which is Squarespace. We've told you a little bit about Squarespace before, because Squarespace is the website that lets you build websites. You can turn your cool idea into a new website, you can blog or publish content, you can sell products and services of all kinds, and so much more. And Squarespace lets you do this by giving you beautiful customizable templates created by world-class designers, a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions, analytics that help you grow in real time, and 24-7 award-winning customer support for whatever help you may need while you're making your beautiful Squarespace website. Make it stand out with your website from Squarespace. And we're going to help you out if you want to check out Squarespace. You can go to squarespace.com buffering for a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code buffering to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com buffering for your free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code buffering and save 10%. We have one other sponsor to tell you about this week, and that's HelloFresh. HelloFresh is uh, a meal kit delivery service that we've all tried, we all love. They give you uh, delicious recipes that are also super simple. They send you fresh pre-measured ingredients with six-step pictured recipe cards, which are the best part. So you can look at pictures. So you don't just have to read the words so you know what you're doing. And they're all delivered to your door each week. And all of the meals come together in like 30 minutes at the most. So that's perfect if you are in a time crunch and you wanna cook something fresh. They have all the ingredients pre-measured for you. Uh, they give you everything you need, and they only take about 30 minutes. There are three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family. So whatever your uh, dietary needs or requirements are, or what your eating situation is like, HelloFresh has you covered. So if you want to try out HelloFresh, you can get $80 off. That's $20 off your first four boxes if you go to HelloFresh.com stillbuffering80 and enter the promo code stillbuffering80. That's HelloFresh.com stillbuffering80 Enter the code STILLBUFFERING80 for a total of $80 off your first four boxes of HelloFresh. So go check out HelloFresh, go check out Squarespace, and right now, go check out the rest of this episode. I'll see you later. All right, so, Riley. Yes. Have they, are our role models better today? I think so. Um, I've created my list. I think I actually put it in chronological order, moving from, <laughs> like, a longer ago to more recently unintentionally um because i wanted to start well partly because i wanted to start with a character that i think all of us can talk about even if uh her presence was maybe i don't even know if i can consider it more in my generation um that's hermione granger i, I was about to about call that. you a hermione for making your list in chronological order i was about to say you're yeah. such a hermione <laughs> well good thing she's at the top of the list then um because i guess the book hermione is more your time mm -hmm. of when it existed mm -hmm. but movie Hermione is more of when I was aware of the Harry Potter universe um I think that Hermione was a really important character for me to be able to grow up watching because I was able to watch her at a time where I maybe wouldn't have even been reading the books when I was in school and didn't think it was cool for a girl to like interrupt a boy in class mm -hmm. and didn't think it was necessarily cool for a girl to be smart that maybe like if I had things to say in class or if I knew the answer to everything, I would look like a show off or I would look bossy or, you know, I'd be annoying if I kept raising my hand and knew all the answers or if I told people what to do in a group project or, you know, uh, 
much less tell a boy what to do when it came to something that came to do in class. But watching Hermione in those movies, a lot of what she does is she is powerful and she's intelligent and she knows that she is. And she knows that she is better than all of the male characters she surrounds herself with at what she does. And she owns that and makes it okay for young girls, I think, to watch her and be like, yeah, it's cool to be smart. And it's okay to know that you are and own that and not be afraid of, you know. It's it's interesting, though, because she does get made fun of for it. Yeah. Like, she does get ostracized and poked right. fun and um, all those, and tease, all those things that you worry about happening do happen to her. Um, but the lesson is sort of like, well, one, the most important characters in the book love and embrace her yeah. for everything she is. And two, she ends up being one of the heroes of, like, wizarding yeah. civilization. Yeah. So, like, yeah, she got teased in school, but then she right. helped save the world. And I so. think it's it's important to watch the scenes where she does get teased or bullied because, like, she is vulnerable and emotional about them like a normal teenage girl would be. And it's not like she just acts like it doesn't bother her. I mean, there, you know, there are moments where she's crying and alone and... And, but I think it's a, it's it's good. It's important in a way that we don't always recognize because it's an uncomfortable thing to tell kids. Yep. Like sometimes you're gonna nobody should make fun of you for who you are, but sometimes it might happen. And I could try to make the world as safe as possible for you, but sometimes it's I'm not going to be able to. Mm-hmm. And you still have to be comfortable in who you are enough to keep moving forward and and find people who do like you for who you are and not change because then you know maybe you'll help defeat the the worst dark wizard of all time yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know i always thought of her as as the character i wanted to be like most and when people ask me that i'm like well because she's really smart and because she's okay with that because i think for a lot of young women if you aren't intelligent and do well in school it's sometimes not e- the easiest to own that and be okay with that and sometimes it's it seems cooler to make yourself look dumb either to mm-hmm. be more popular or to you know in, a, in some movies it's certainly to get the attention of a male i would have thought katniss everdeen would be high on your list you know what she's the next one on my list huh? <laughs> <laughs> um that's another series of books that I read going through my initial teen years that you introduced me to that um, I, I found Cav- Katniss a very... Of the Hunger Games, of the in Hunger case Games. anyone is not. Yes. Um, she's a very powerful woman. And she... In, yes, a lot of her story involves romance and involves relationships sure. with men. But even when you see her function in those relationships she still doesn't ever compromise who she is i mean even like the end of the first movie spoilers if you haven't seen Mm -hmm. the hunger games you know they've been out for a while but one thing that i think is cool the first two characters you've named are they're female but they're both written by female authors that's true like this is i didn't even think about that well and it makes sense because the thing is like women have like women heroes have flaws in real life Mm -hmm. and so women characters that are good should have flaws as well yeah and this sounds if i say that with men then the whole sentence becomes like dumb and self-obvious like well yeah of course they do because men have always been written as multi-dimensional and so therefore more interesting and easier to connect to yeah and women haven't always unless you get women involved in the process yeah. well, I, I remember like my, discovering Sailor Moon I was already into comics I was big into Spider-Man at the time because Spider-Man was a young awkward smart kind of nerdy teen and I could relate to that it was a male character but I could relate to that I couldn't relate to like that era's Wonder Woman because she wasn't flawed she was just this big shiny you know like metal boobed hero (laughs) it's like oh that's not me that's definitely not me and like having a a female created female character that had flaws like coming along was like oh wait this could be me you should watch dc superhero girls yes because i was thinking about this today thinking about this episode 
right uh charlie loves dc superhero girls and there's a new one coming out where the characters are they're drawn more interestingly they're drawn a lot less in like your traditional female superhero kind of way that's very like kind of sexualized mm-hmm. um the, the art is even in, is even different it's interesting but dc superhero girls are girls in high school and they never talk about dating I can't think of a single it. plot that revolved around a crush or a date or a boy or, I mean, like, boys are around sometimes, right. like, the Flash shows up or whatever, <laughs> you know, Beast Boy, like, hangs out eating a sandwich. But, like, it's about their lives as women. And it's it's so cool. Yeah. Because I was thinking, like, name another teenage, like, high school girl show where the girls never talk about dating. Can you name one? I mean, it's almost revolutionary in that yeah. sense. But it's really cool because it's yeah. just about them. And, like, yes, they, they do. They have flaws and they have good points and they each have their weaknesses that, like, make them not as good at being superheroes sometimes, mm-hmm. but they help each other out. And yeah. It's very female positive and then, like, they support each other. They're not trying to, like, beat each other out. Mm. Right. Um, speaking of animated characters and one that I know because of Charlie, um, Moana is next on my list. Oh yeah. Because I thought it was interesting that out of all the fictional animated female characters that you all mentioned being popular in your time, I mean, also mine, but your all's, none of them were Disney princesses, which is understandable because, you know, most, not all, most of the Disney princesses that are most popular are very one-dimensional mm-hmm. damsel in distress characters. There are exceptions. Mulan. Well, um, yeah, I was going to say, the, the, the two that I did love were Mulan and Ariel, who I think yeah. had somewhat different agendas, but I under, you're absolutely right. right. But yeah. romance was still a big part of yeah. the plot. And you get Moana, who there's no love interest, there's mm-hmm. no love story at all, and it's about a young teenage girl who, I mean, first... The character, uh, the just the creation of the character itself is more accurate in terms mm-hmm. of appearance, just to begin with. She looks like what real she humans look like. Looks like yeah. a real human, and um, the story is about her knowing who she is, and she does all of it herself, and because of her own abilities, mm-hmm. and saves, you know, her whole community and all the people she loves because of how powerful she is by helping i think it's a very powerful symbol at the end um maui as a male character stole the heart of the mother island and Mm -hmm. she returns the heart right to this angry woman she gives her her heart back to allow her to be a her you know to be the mother island again i think it's a very powerful symbol yeah and I, i i i would say there are a few moments in like especially like when I think about stuff that my daughters will watch and look up to, I don't know of many moments as powerful as when she like is standing there on the raft in the ocean and yells, I am Moana. I've heard Charlie say that (laughs) countless times with no, like it's just, it's, it's, it's a simple declaration. I am me. And that is all I need to say. That's a powerful thing to be able to say. I mean, I've never said that. And any love in the story is about love for her family and for herself. Like, it's not about a romantic interest. It's about loving where you're from and who you are and your your history. And 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 friendship, too. I think it's cool when I think about, like, Charlie looking up to Moana Mm -hmm. and um, Vanellope Von Schweetz from Mm -hmm. Wreck-It Ralph. Two characters who are defined by friendships. Yeah. But not relationships mm. yeah. with the the male characters there, right. and like both very cool and interesting and powerful and able to take care of themselves, but like have like important friendships in their lives. I yeah. think that's a really neat twist yeah. on the the usual like princess prince well, thing. And yeah. I mean Elsa, like that's what I was yeah, gonna say. Yeah. That's yeah. I I wish I'd had Elsa as a child, where it's like no 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 no, it's not about finding a prince. It's about learning how to control and own your power. <laughs> Like that's yeah. her narrative, and, and it's mean, amazing. It's about it's yeah, about love, familial love, but like not mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, not a relationship. Frozen as a movie almost is just like uh, um, a commentary on what 
Disney princess movies were. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Anna finds what she thinks is true love in like a literal night and they get married and turn he turns out to be the bad guy even though he looked like the good guy because he was a handsome prince and you think it the true love that will save everything is Anna finding who she's actually meant to be but then it's Anna and Elsa loving each other. And I think that that whole movie is like the step towards Moana and hopefully other female empowerment Disney princess films that is like this is what we did this is how we used to represent how young women should behave how they should look at themselves how they should look at love and how those relationships should function and this is what we're going to continue doing in the future because I think that characters like Elsa and Moana that Charlie looks up to are a lot more powerful multi-dimensional characters than a lot of the Disney princesses we all three had Mm -hmm. growing up not that they aren't they don't have good personality traits like not that i didn't love that Belle was a princess who also was smart and red no, but, but also that was like her one thing at, at yeah i also put up it with an abusive relationship and was a probably yeah, right. victim of stockholm syndrome you know. <laughs> <laughs> problems yeah. Are a few. yeah yeah no i i think i think it's a lot easier to just let charlie watch some of this newer media and just I mean, it's like the new She-Ra. Yeah. You can watch all of yes. this and just take it in and embrace every character you see here as a possible role model for the future. And, <laughs> you know, one one thing that I can't help but think about in this whole conversation, because we're talking about, like, modern, like, powerful female, like, fictional icons, She-Ra is one character that, like, there was such a backlash on Twitter, on the internets, about the fact, like, she's supposed to be a teenage girl and she looks like a teenage girl and she's not naked and she is like mm-hmm. it's a beautiful design like the artist is amazing but so many hate to say it men were mad that it was not the she that we grew up with or that was slightly before our time actually it was like a like a late 80s she who yeah. looked yeah because i didn't watch i didn't watch you know, she she looked up. like a like a grown woman but she was very sexualized she had very exaggerated proportions and it's like you keep getting the same thing it happened with the female ghostbusters it happened with female jedi it happened with she-ra it's happening right now with captain marvel and it's like these people that just can't handle these characters that are 100 percent. it's not that they're not made for men to enjoy it's that they're not made for the traditional male gaze and i just live for it i am just living for it <laughs> you know i think another interesting character that falls into that care category that i actually had as my last one on my list for most recent um is the doctor yeah absolutely yeah. you know that's a character that made a lot of people upset because it, it changed what everyone thought the doctor was supposed to be if the doctor is supposed to be anything and isn't a woman who is there for men to fall in love with and stare at and she's the fact that she's a woman almost doesn't factor into anything that has to do with the character which is representative in the fact that it's the same character that has existed for decades that has always been played by a man and now just the actors playing this part is a woman but it is she is different though the doctor is different now through the lens of a woman um there are ways that she like first of all her team embracing her team and celebrating all of their skills the doctor for a long time has been so um and i mean this with all the love in my heart i love the doctor i love all the doctors but has been a very arrogant character has been very like i am the one that saves the day right and she's not that i mean she does but that's not who she is and it she enters the world as a woman she experiences the world as a woman that i feel the way that she interacts with people and the way that she solves problems and the way that she has to make sure everyone's voice is heard. Mm-hmm. It, it's such a woman. Like, I feel that. I mm-hmm. understand that way of going through the world. Yeah. And that you can't just say, everybody shut up and listen to me. I'm the smartest thing. I'm the smartest person you will ever meet. Right. Just shut up. But she doesn't. I think it's a very powerful thing. I, I've often looked for somebody that's a woman that I feel as connected to and as admire as much as I always have the character Hawkeye Pierce from MASH. <laughs> I've always thought, like, that's who I want to be is Hawkeye Pierce. And, like, he's a man. And I wanted to find, like, there's got to be a female character that I feel that same way about. This doctor 
is the first time that I've found a, a female character that I'm like, this is my new Hawkeye. This is yeah. who, the way that she enters the world, the way that she problem solves, this is, this is who I want to be. I think it's a really cool symbol that for a long time, if you were a woman, you wanted to, you know, go cosplay or, or go as a, for a Halloween costume as someone from Doctor Who, you were pretty limited to companions. You know, there was mm-hmm. River Song, yeah. but she also entered the universe as a, has a romantic As a interest. Romantic it's interest. True. Still a great character. Still Gosh, a great character. Doctor Riversong. I still love her. Still this doctor. is true. <laughs> but for a long time, that was your option. Was you were a companion or a sidekick or a romantic mm. interest to the main male character. And now, if Charlie wants to go as a doctor for Halloween, like not that she always couldn't, but it's a female role model for her to look up to that isn't the companion isn't the romantic interest isn't the sidekick it's the the doctor it got her excited about doctor who in a way that i hadn't been able to right so far although she's only four so maybe it's (laughs) just me pushing it (laughs) i mean that's but that's kind of the same way i felt about the 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 most recent wonder woman movie like that like it was kind of like what if you took a woman and you raised her in an environment where the pressures of femininity where the, the the cultural trappings we have didn't exist where she just grew mm-hmm. up believing in herself having confidence having interests having curiosities and just let her loose on the world like you know the scene where she like enjoys ice cream and like thinks a baby is cute is just as valid as the scene that she's <laughs> just like what why don't you guys trust that i'm really tough i'm telling you that i am and i'm capable it's weird that you don't believe that like <laughs> like that yeah and yeah. i mean that's but that's with a female director like that is it's the wonder woman that i grew up with but it's so much not because it was meant to be f- for me i felt like and mm-hmm. i mean i don't no i i, I think that was true i, think I don't think true. that there's a scene in modern cinema that's made me cry happy tears harder than like the the amazons fighting on the the beach on paradise island like that that scene when you've got like like princess buttercup as a warrior queen yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> like or a general rather like just owning like that's that that whole movie just kind of like gave that like but let's take all of the expectations away and just have her be a character with flaws with interests with weaknesses and just enjoy it like just let that be Mm -hmm. the character i think and i think the key to all this that we're hitting on which should go without saying but like it doesn't so it should be said is that if you want to see different characters written better and drawn better and represented better then you get diverse voices writing them and drawing them Mm -hmm. and then and then that's how that's how you make stuff for everybody that's how you make things that ring true to everybody across the gender spectrum to everybody no matter what you know their color of skin no matter where they came from that's how that's how it that's how you connect is that you get more voices involved in the process. You can't do it on the back end. You have to do it on the front end. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that's what we're talking about. Those things, it, there's, it's no mistake. You can feel, I can feel the voice of a woman in something mm-hmm. <laughs> when the, when the female character is real, I can feel that. Yeah. And uh, you can't fake it. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, so. you can't, you can't dream about it's hard to dream about being what you don't see and that's why like as silly as it seems like these representation matters in in fantasy and fiction in sci-fi it's in it it matters mm-hmm. yep agreed we didn't mention steven universe i just have to give my final plug for everything <laughs> on every character on steven universe oh, or adventure time yeah. yeah, but I mean, Steven Universe yeah. even more so. Like Rebecca Sugar is amazing. I, I she's not at the she hasn't been at the helm for. Oh, she was at the helm for most of it. Yeah. Garnet is my, is my hero. That is the that is the character I would say. I hope Charlie looks up to Garnet. Although she really <laughs> wants to be like Pearl. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. She is. Well, a Pearl. it's also a yeah. show that I, I I love the idea of introducing. Uh, what we deem is like, oh no, children can't understand like complex gender ideas. It's like, no, no, no. Steven Universe literally describes it for you. 
like yeah there there are parts that describe dysphoria there are parts that describe like you know like a non-binary experience like steven universe Mm -hmm. is is great for like educating kids on all the way that people can be and present and live and it it does it Mm -hmm. in such a happy wonderful approachable way yeah so go out there and find some new fictional female role models because there's so many and they exist now and it's just wonderful it's a wonderful time to be taking in that kind of and you know what it also make it (laughs) yes and make it and and encourage and promote uh, stuff that's being made um, by diverse voices. So. Yeah. And give it a platform. And thank you for listening to our show. Yeah. Well, we, we have done two parts on Women's History Month for this March. And next week, we'll, we'll join you for the kickoff to the annual Max Fun Drive. Yeah. Max Fun Drive coming up next week. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, thank you to my sisters thank you to our listeners thank you to maximum fun our wonderful network that you should check out at maximumfun.org for a lot of other shows you will enjoy you can email us at still at maximumfun.org if you have thoughts or suggestions or questions or comments or show topics or anything mm-hmm. and you can tweet at us at still buff and thank you to the novellas for our theme song baby change your mind this has been still buffering a sister's guide to teens through the ages i am riley smurl i'm sydney mcroy and i'm taylor smurl I am a teenager, and I was It's me, Paula Poundstone. And it's me, Adam Felber. We have a podcast called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. It's a comedy podcast where we bring on experts to teach us stuff we need to know. And by the way, the guy who came to tell us what to do when you encounter a bear never showed up. Anyway, it's fun. You are guaranteed laughs in every episode. You can't really guarantee laughs. What if somebody doesn't laugh? We'll get sued. Join us for our next episode where we have an expert in consumer law explain to us how to defend ourselves against one humorless litigious shut-in with enough time on their hands to sue us over our unfulfilled claim of guaranteed laughs in every episode here at MaximumFun.org. The Cat of the Week is Mabel from Green Bank, West Virginia. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.